Hello, you found Rebirth, a podcast about women saving lives by living their own. I'm the creator, Kate Brenton, and I've been fascinated with people's stories since I was very little, both as a writer and a practitioner. Hearing others' stories offer us a perspective on our own. We are unique, and we are not alone. Today, we have a magic in the mundane episode. That's where I tune in with you and talk a little bit about something that's been on my mind. And today's topic is that you're not crazy. There's been a whole bunch of people starting to see things different. You're probably one of them. And I just wanted to talk to you a minute about that. <laughs> so it's a it's a quick one, um, but a necessary one. As always, if you enjoy Rebirth, help support our stories by liking and subscribing. We want to double our listenership. Can you help us? Wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts, share it with a friend or hop onto the Anchor homepage, easily found at katebrenton.com and become a Rebirth support supporter. And if you're looking, my friend, to step out of line and into the spiral of life, moving out of the expected and into your true brilliance, let's talk. Reach out at katebrenton.com. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this week's episode. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. This episode of Rebirth is brought to you by Serendipity. (laughs) I was um, in a very short period of time. I heard several stories, including one that happened to me about meeting the moment with compassion. And this is directly relative to living in 2021 during a time where... um, choices of healthy living or maintaining or inspiring health within the body seem to be exhibiting two different choices. And um, I was listening to a conversation by Phil Good and he was like, and that's okay. And I had such an exhale and he's like, that's okay. Because you choose what you choose. You, you know, have your barbecue with whoever you want to have your barbecue with. And you just, you just love, you just choose love. And, and love doesn't mean compromising your um, values or changing your story. It just means that you don't need to force your choice on someone else, no matter what your choice is. And I was like, yeah, that's true. That's actually true. And if you take it out of the context of our present world and you put it into your life, your friendships, your relationships, the way you can solve certain problems, it's just true. And then I heard that same story iterated a different way. Um, And I felt it in my own life where someone um, was like, you know, asked me if I was okay because uh, I didn't agree with somebody that was standing next to me. And I was like, yeah. I don't agree with a lot of people. I'm really letting that go of um, educating where I feel is is um, helpful what I've seen and learned about the immunity and divinity of the body. It's just true. You know, it's just true. I, for probably the past easy past 20 yeah, at least 20 years of my life now, more more so, but we'll say 20. I have had different opinions of consciousness, body wisdom, 
and mindset choices than most of the people that are around me. If we're talking about um, the people around me being like um, family or work affiliation, not really so much my chosen friends or later on in my path when my work became, you know, you know, you make a choice, you pivot, and then you get surrounded by more people. But it's like, it's not new for me to be making choices in my perception, um, being met with circumstances or stories, um, whether they're from living people or experiences or books, where the story's different. And it it, it's based on, you know, like I was reading in this book recently, guys. I was <laughs> reading. I was just reading. I'm pulling the book out right now. So I wasn't planning on talking to you about this. I was just reading about how in, where is it? I should pause. I'm not going to pause. That we've already, like, that observations in the 20th century, like 1911, uh, Dr. William Kellner is a medical doctor um, who was observing the human energy field and that we already knew that there was a hologram in our existence. And in the 30s and 50s, using technologies about electronic and medical instruments, observing the pulsations of energy fields in ourselves and others, And how they translate into universal energy and disturbances of this universal energy in the human field are relative to physical and psychological illness. And let me just repeat the year for for you on that. Right. So a 20 year spanning period of his of his work, 30s through 50s. And, you know, the. So I'm re- I'm reading I'm reading about how the perception of what it is to be human and energy and frequency and those that think that is true and those that think that not is true. This is not a new conversation. That's what I want you to know. This is not a new conversation. And that we've gone through these um cycles of belief and we've gone and there's parts of the world or parts of a community that just can hunker down into believing that they are in relationship with their body and that their body is not their enemy. It's just fascinating to me. So, um, so that's one occupying one train of thought for me right now. And I go back to, um, listening to Phil Good say, you know, um, we can have a bifurcation. We can have people coexisting with different philosophies, that's not new. And, but we can still acknowledge, this is the words I'm going to insert, we can still acknowledge that we live interconnected. We live on one planet. It's so large. Our community structure has become so difficult to understand that we actually, no matter how, um, how much ease we can purchase that gives us the perception that we can handle it all ourselves. We cannot handle it all ourselves. We are not designed to handle it all ourselves. We are at once a, a full sovereign being that when plugged into community, we simultaneously thrive in ourselves at a higher, more fulfilled, more effulgent rate, I'm going to say. So just fascinating. Like 
for me right now, it's like the more you lean into the polarity and how this and that are both true at the same time, there's like this, there's just, it, it just keeps on opening up to you. But the, but it, it appears to me that the more that you focus on there only being one answer, then it's like, oh, okay. And the universe is like, okay, fine. Like, we'll just close off all the other answers. But it it doesn't change the truth that there's there's multiple answers. You You just don't want to participate in that conversation. And that's totally fine. That's the thing. That's totally fine, which is it's just fascinating to me. So, okay, so let's talk about taming. If we're interested, okay, say we have one answer for things. So let me let me tell you my story that I wanted to share with you and why this podcast is called It's Not Easy But It Works. And born and primarily raised in Philadelphia, moved a lot, have talked and laughed about, you know, the Philly grit and all that kind of stuff. And from that um, East Coastness, from that Phillyness, and from being raised to, uh, which I appreciate and I thank my mother for, um, I didn't realize what a determination she planted when she was like, well, yeah, you can do anything. I didn't understand that there that there would be perceptions that there weren't things that girls could do or there weren't um, fields that were appropriate. Like that just wasn't, I wasn't raised with that concept of limitation. It was, if this is what you love and you put in the effort, it's available. That's it. Done. And so it's inconceivable to me in a lot of ways that people are like, you're just not supposed to do that. And I was like, yeah, I mm. okay, so that has that sounds like a compliment and in a lot of ways it is a compliment and then in some places you get into it it's an impediment so the way that I chose to um kind of hold that belief like tuck it in as a football would be um I use the tools of uh, in one phase of my life I use the tools of uh sarcasm and projecting out of like a lot of really strong energy so that I could just get where I needed to go and um you know you could probably see how that would work and have some difficulty um but in performance of uh, the workforce that was really successful and so then when I um because it was like oh you know she's a if you've never met me I'm like a more petite female and it's kind of like oh she might be small but she can you know like kind of throw down is sort of the idea even if that throw down was just um verbally right could hold my own in a room um in a corporate office or I've been, I've worked in a lot of places, which is really beneficial at this point in time. So, okay. So, so fast forward to, you know, 15 years out of, um, being out of that environment and I am in a different environment, a more holistic environment, a healing, I'm actually sitting in a clinic in a healing center and, um, a friend of mine that I really revere, who's much older than me has been slighted. And it, it, it it's, it, I'm like, this, this is just wrong. You know, you shouldn't be treated like this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, people, yeah, that they do that. Now, now he, he, he's not a pushover. He just has a, a lot more grace. So I am taking my, my force and my sense of um, Philly um, justice and righteousness. And, and now the person that is slighted, slighted him has, is going to be coming to this clinic to have a conversation. And I'm, I'm fired up, you know, because they, this person is clearly wrong and they have slighted my friend and it's a cut and dry situation and they are just wrong. And so I will 
be there to protect my older, wiser, more graceful, and more in-tune friend, right? That's my perception. I am there to protect him, and we are going to tell this person that did wrongdoing that they are wrong, you know? Clearly, that is what my job will be. So I said to my friend, what do you need me to do? You know, star pupil. And he said, hold the tonality of loving kindness. I was like, what? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. What? But you were wronged. Mm-hmm. But we need to... And, and if you've ever been in a situation where a long-held belief gets brought up against a new horizon, the mind... I mean, not every mind works the same, but this is, this is also the still point that I've talked about previously in, in another episode um, in cranial sa- sa- sacral where you you hold a hitch until it meets the still point and the hitch the um, the out of sync energy doesn't it starts to kind of quake very so it doesn't know what to do because it's it's not it's hitting a resistance that is um, peace if if you're fired up and and, and you meet fire it's just gasoline. But when you're fired up and you're not being dismissed, but you meet the countenance of peace, it's destabilizing to the belief of force. There's nothing to hold on to. So, you know, I was ready to, to bring my fire. You know, I thought, well, that's what I do. Something is wrong and I write it. Somebody's wrong and I tell them that's what I do. You know, I have this vociferous way of being and it's been lauded and it's served me and that must be what I, and, and to be told that it is not my sarcasm or my quick wit or my ability to perceive or vocalize that is needed, but it is my opportunity to begin a new skill set. And, and not roll over. This is, make no mistake. I know that I'm not giving a lot of details in this because it's not important. It's not significant. The significance is being, beginning to realize. And, and I believe, because I've reflected on this, it's not that, that holding my own and being vocal and, you know, sarcasm actually wasn't really a great tool that I, I learned that as a high school teacher. That's just mean, you know, I had to put that one down. That was not nice. But, but, but being able to project energy and, and vocalize yourself, there's nothing wrong with that. But it is when is that tool appropriate? And so to go to want to use the, uh, a, a well wielded weapon, and to be told to go wide. Like, yes, I know you can do that. Yes, I know you can yell. Yes, yes, yes. I know that. But can you hold a tonality that is undisturbable because let's be honest if i'm railing off at you i'm i'm not holding a tonality that's undisturbable i'm 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 you know i'm emotional again nothing wrong with that it's when is that tool being used i was like you want me to you want me to i didn't say this out loud but my face did you you want me to sit here and watch you have a meal with someone that did you straight wrong Hold a tonality of loving kindness. Mm-hmm. 
you know what, my friends? It is really hard to do. It is hard to go wide. This is not the same as bypassing or evading. This is fully knowing and going, holding that and then allowing the rectification to happen on a level that does not give you the onus or the personal satisfaction, but you just long game it. You're long. Yeah, that's really what you're doing. You're, you're long gaming it. You're understanding that the conversation is really between my friend and the person that slighted him. It's not me. And the way that I can offer support is holding the tonality of the long game. I mean, what is the long game? Haven't you been thinking that a little bit this past year? Uh, what is the long game? How are we all coming back together? If we're there, listen, okay. If you've, if you, if you've gone this far into the podcast, let's just be honest. There are some people right now that need a lot of help and need to just be held so that their fear can come down. There are some of us that need to be held so that our fear, uh, um, that is coming from clarity or sense of righteousness needs to be brought down. And so there are some of us who can just say, you know what? Humanity has been in crazy places. It will be in crazy places again. And me stoking the fire of emotional volatility is not going to get us where I perceive, Kate perceives, a long-term solution that will bring peace. So I've been thinking a lot about that invitation of what is the place to hold where you are fully present in the rightness and the wrongness, in the blackness and the whiteness, in the, I guess, what would be the opposite? In the fear and in the love, you know, in the chaos and in the calm, you're, you're fully present to the facts and the emotions or the deep, not the, maybe facts isn't a good word, the details. I'm just thinking of like the minutiae, like the, like, you know, you're sitting in a chair, the other person's sitting in a chair, like that, like the facts, like the unarguable details, the emotions and the essence of a larger truth. And and the thing that the thing that has the intelligence to meet all of those nuances and carry us into a new a new effulgence is loving kindness. It's loving kindness. It's not easy. It's digging deep and going wide, but it works. The reason this podcast, this little chat we just had happened was that as I was like, I was like, all right, do people really need to hear this? You know, that's kind of my thing right now. Like, oh, you know, do people really need to hear this? 
And I was like, let me just, oh, you know, I had a little bit of coffee last and I was like, you know, I was going to read a little of uh, Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes. So let me just pop her open. And where was I? And it says, how does a man learn these things? How does one learn them? Enter into a direct dialogue with life, death, life, nature, which is her talking about rebirth. And as it happens in cycles in our life. So let me go back to that sentence. How does anyone learn them? Enter. Okay, I'm just wondering if I should go pack backwards a little bit. It's just it's a story about the skeleton woman and learning how to love and learning how to um be present in love. And and so that's gonna be the pitfalls in the in the valleys. The pitfalls in the valleys, that's the same thing. The pitfalls in the peaks. Okay, how does a man learn these things? How does anyone learn them enter into a direct dialogue with life death life nature by listening to the inner voice that is not the ego learn by asking the life death life nature direct questions about love and loving and then listen to her answers through all we learn not to be misled by the nagging voice at the back of the mind that says quote this is silly i am just making this all up end quote we learn to ignore that voice and listen to what is heard beyond that we learn to follow what we hear all those things that bring us closer to acute awareness, the love of devotion, and a clear view of the soul. It is good to make a meditative and daily practice of untangling the life, death, life, nature over and over again. If we sing the song of consciousness till we feel the burn of truth, we throw a burst of fire into the darkness of the psyche so we can see what we're doing, what we're truly doing, not what we wish to do, not what we wish to think we're doing. This is the untangling of one's feelings and the beginning of understanding why love and life are to be lived by the bones. It's not easy but it's why we're here. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning into Rebirth. If this is the year you're ready to drop the shoulds and open to what is waiting for you, be sure to check out our digital courses at katebreton.com and we'll see you back here next week for a new episode of Rebirth.